Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Last week, many of you left church and have probably battled this whole week with a conundrum. The conundrum is that on the one hand, I put you in a very uncomfortable place of being put on the spot. We had Nicholas stand up in the middle of our service last week and say, I hate it when Michael does this. Puts us on the spot. I have to be honest, I was a little hesitant as to what was going to come out of her mouth after those words. (laughs) But yet, we also left on the other side truly blessed and impacted by what other people shared and spoke into our hearts and lives. Maybe we were blessed and impacted by what we spoke over somebody else's life. We left here last week blessed with the realization of just how simple and in some ways easy it is to hear from God and to speak encouragement into someone else's life. It wasn't difficult, was it? It was awkward. For some of you, very awkward very different, very new, but yet simple. And I want to continue in the same vein today, but don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, sit, relax. We're not going to quickly stand up and form little groups, but I do want to continue speaking to you today along a similar trajectory of thought. This trajectory of thought I want to just encapsulate in a wider context that we've been talking for the past few weeks about the impact that you and I are able to make in the lives of those around us. Sometimes just by speaking words of life and encouragement to them, other times through acts of service, we spoke about the fact that God's primary interest is people. God loves people. And He empowers us to love people in practical ways and to speak His love and His encouragement over them. We've also been talking about the power of testimony. That the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, So in other words, what Jesus has done and what He has done for you and what God has made possible in your life, He is able to make possible in somebody else's life who may be sitting in a similar place to where you were. Last week we looked at the prophetic vision that God gave to Ezekiel, chapter 47, when He brought him out to the bank of a river that flowed from the very throne room of God and He measured out a thousand cubits and He went in up to His ankle. He stood at the the bank and then He measured out went up to his ankles and he measured out a thousand cubits more and he went up to his knees and he measured out a thousand and he went deeper and deeper until he was no longer standing. He no longer had control over where he was positioned. He was now into the flow of the river and the river was able to take him where the river wanted him to go. And this prophetic vision speaks to you and I today about a journey, about a call into a journey into the deeper things of God, about a call to press in and go beyond where we are comfortable, go beyond what we're used to and what the status quo is. Many years ago, I used to bodyboard, uh, or boogie board, whatever you want to call it. And uh, the, the catch is I never had a wetsuit. And in Cape Town, that's a bit of a problem. And I, I know what it's like going ankle deep in the water and thinking twice, this is not a good idea. Big Bay was generally my spot. It was the closest beach, most convenient for my dad to take me to. 
And uh, that's the Atlantic side, folks. That's cold. And then if, you, if you're really feeling confident, you get up to your knees. And what I've learned over time is that if you are able to just suck it up and get in the water, within five minutes you don't even feel the water because you're numb. The problem comes when you get out the water later and you start thawing out and everything burns. But the actual pain is, is the initial going in. And very often, you, you, you notice this, people get into a pool. My way of getting into a pool, especially a cold pool, because I like a cold swim. I don't see the point of swimming in the middle of summer if the water isn't cold. Why do you want to heat your water? I don't understand. My method of getting into a pool is you jump in. You come up and you go, <gasps> and within 30 seconds you're going, oh, this is nice. I'm cooling down. Some people, a.k.a. my wife, Choose to get into the water slowly. Ankles first. And then we'll get into our knees. <laughs> Until my knees get used to it. And then one more step in, up to the waist. I mean, she's the epitome of the prophetic word that was... <laughs> she wants to acclimatize in each level. What she doesn't realize is she's putting herself through torture of acclimation again and again and again. You could just do it once and get it over with, is my opinion. But the point that I'm making here is that there is this call of God that, uh, that's calling us deeper from where we are into, into a picture that God wants to paint of your life, of what you are gifted and called to do, so that He can draw you into it by His grace and by His Spirit, because you cannot get there on your own. You need the Spirit of God. You need the wisdom and the grace of God to show you the way and to enable you to walk it. And so we have this idea of a picture or a vision that is set for us. And then God took Elisha back, I beg your pardon, Ezekiel, back to the bank in the river, and he said, have you seen this? So in other words, he gives him the picture, and he brings him back to where he is. And that's kind of where we left off last week in, in some senses, that prophetic vision is a call into a higher reality. Prophecy gives us access to God's perspective. How many of you know God's perspective is always accurate? It is always true. We get caught up in lies. We get caught up in misrepresentations and insecurities. But God's perspective is always true. And when you look at your life, when you look at when you, where you are at, when you look to your future, what is it that you see? The real question we should be asking is, God, what is it that you see? What is it that you are speaking? Because God gave us the capacity to dream. But it's only the dreams that come from his heart that carry with them the grace and the power to produce life. Prophetic insight is what gives us the opportunity to cooperate with and prepare for what God desires to do in your life. Folks, the Bible is very clear. God has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11. We're familiar with the scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans I have for you. And if you've been in this church for any length of time, you will most likely have heard Pastor Andreas say repeatedly, it's not good enough for, no, for God to know the plans he has for you. You need to know the plans that God has for you. How else can you cooperate with them? How else can you step into them? You see, God is a loving Father. And when, God, when, when we understand things from God's perspective, we realize, number one, that God has a good plan for your life. 
to bless you, to prosper you. But God is an eternal being, and He sees well beyond your life here on earth. He is setting you up for a future, an eternity of blessed and wonderful rewards. You see, your life here echoes into eternity. We believe that. And so the decisions that we make and the way we live our lives here on earth today will determine what happens and what echoes into eternity. One day, every one of us will stand before the great throne of King Jesus. And at that point, for those who are believers, He will be handing out rewards and blessings for the way in which we lived out our faith in Him in this life. So when God says, I have a plan for you, He's wanting to bring you into a a reality now that will provide for you blessing, not just in this life, but in the life that is to come. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship. In other words, we are... are, This is beautiful... Um, poetic language. It's, the, the actual meaning and the root of all of this is that we are God's poem. A doctrinal report, a thesis, is an intellectual document. It is the product of mind, of thoughts, and of reason. And they are good. But a poem, is a product of the heart. A poem, when you write poetry, it comes from deep inside, and you are painting a picture and a portrait. This verse is telling us that you are God's poem. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And so the question we're obviously asking is, how can we walk in the good works that we do not know. You can't. It's impossible, obviously. How can we prepare for it? Paul gives us the answer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he says this, It is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I am so glad it doesn't end there. He says this, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Where does poetry come from? The deep place, the heart of God. Where where do you come from? You are created, you are the product of the deep places of God's heart. And in those places, God has wonderful dreams for your life and wonderful plans, not just to bless you, folks, but to make you a blessing, to make you an example of His goodness and His kindness and His love, to make you somebody who changes the atmosphere here on this earth in whatever sphere of influence He places you in. Folks, that is what eternity is going to be about. I have an eschatological truth for you. You and I were not created for heaven. You and I were created for earth. And until Jesus comes again, heaven exists, and there is the reality of heaven for all those who die in Christ. But there will come a day when God says He will recreate the heavens and the earth. 
without all the nonsense and all the stuff that sin has brought into it, without the sickness and the disease, without the unbelief and all of these things, and one day you and I will reign with King Jesus in the new earth, under the new heaven. And what we do here now will determine how we will reign in that time. So many parables of Jesus say the kingdom of heaven is like, and if you consider the parable of the talents, one who was faithful and produced he said, come into the joy of your Lord. You were faithful with little. I will make you ruler over much. So the way we understand these things, these plans that God has for us, the revelation, the importance of these things becomes all the more stark. Once we actually have these eternal realities become a part of our thinking and our, and our, our ethos. So God has and desires to reveal His plans to you and I by His Holy Spirit. So last week was a significant week in my heart and mind because many of us realized when we took a moment to just be quiet before the Lord, to avail ourselves to Him, that He could literally speak through us into the lives of other people to bring encouragement, to bring strength and grace for the plans that God has for them. And today I want to learn a few more things from the prophet Ezekiel. We're going to turn on or turn back just a few chapters, 10 of them. And last week we looked at chapter 47. This week we're going to look at chapter 37, the first 10 verses. It's probably his most famous, um, the most famous part of the book of Ezekiel. It talks about the valley of the dry bones. So let's read the portion of scripture and then we can talk about it a little bit as we go. Ezekiel 37 from verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me. Let's just pause there. Again, we see here. How did Paul say that we will come into the revelation of the things God has planned for us? By? Wow, tough crowd. By the Spirit of God. Remember? Do I have to go back? Should I rewind a little bit? <laughs> by the Spirit of the Lord. God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. And so here we see something happening to Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord. In other words, the Spirit of God came upon him. And he brought me out into this, in the Spirit and set me down in the midst of a valley which is full of dry bones. Let's pause. Did he do this physically? No. This is a prophetic vision. Okay? It's a prophetic vision. God is revealing something. He's talking to Ezekiel about something. He's teaching him principles, which we're about to learn. But he's also speaking very specifically about his situation and the situation and the state of the nation of Israel that he is in. God can do the same for you and for your family and desires to. God can do the same for you and your business and desires to. To bring you to a place as you wait upon him where you are able to see visions and dreams. The Bible says young men see vision, old men see dreams. I'm still in the vision category, hallelujah. Okay, let me not labor the point. He caused me to pass by them all around. Talking about the valley of the dry bones. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. So he gives us an account of what he sees in the natural of what is around him. So this is what his natural perception tells him. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And as we've just said, we've got two things happening here. We've got Ezekiel's perspective, and now we've got God's perspective that wants to come into view. Ezekiel was a smart man. 
he answered wisely. And he said, O oh Lord God, you know. He didn't assume that he knew. He didn't just speak from his natural perspective and his natural understanding. He chose in that moment not to limit God. He realized when God asks you a question, he's not looking for an answer. Folks, in your prayer time, as you read the Word, as you wait upon the Spirit of God, when God asks you a question, it's not because He doesn't know the answer. It's because He's wanting to help you locate your faith, to help you locate your thinking. And in this instance, Ezekiel is smart. He says, my thinking doesn't matter. God, you know. And again He said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I want you to say with me, hear, hear. the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Nice and loudly with the first word. Hear, hear. the word of the Lord. There is great emphasis in what I'm trying to teach you this morning in terms of a spiritual principle on that word, hear. Hear. Before he spoke the word of the Lord, he said, Hear. In other words, there's an expectation that what I'm about to say is going to produce a desired result. Thus says the Lord to these bones. Not thus says Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and, that, and you shall live. I will put sinews to, on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, a noise, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. So here we see the prophet speaking. Now, there's a clear order of events here. It was a spoken word, and there was a command saying out, Hear! Hear what is being said. It was only after the world around Ezekiel those bones, the natural environment, heard what he said, heard the words of God that were spoken into the situation. It was only after that took place that anything visible could be perceived. Do you get that? So much of our world today is seeing is believing. I'll believe it when I see it. How do you expect me to speak something that I can't even see, that I can't behold? There's a clear order here. But yet, once the word was spoken, the bones came together, they're covered in flesh, everything's found its place. God's question to Ezekiel still wasn't fully answered. His question was, can these bones live? Well, they're aligned, they're all put together, there's flesh on them, but there's no, they're not alive yet, are they? And so he said to me, prophesy to the breath Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. So a further word was necessary. Amen? The word of the Lord that you have, that you've been following, has brought you to the point where you are today. 
Many of us have been stuck on that same word for far too long, and a further word is necessary. You've come into a measure of the realization of what God wants to do in your life. You've come into a part of His plan for the season that you've been in, but there's more. There's a greater plan. There's a greater work. You haven't come into the full manifestation of the kingdom yet, and a further word is required. Amen? So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Folks, one of the greatest battles that I've had to face over the last three, four years is the next word. You see, I had a word that galvanized and orientated my life many years ago. I want you to be Elisha to this man. And that was the word I ran on for many, many years. And that was God's plan and His purpose for me. But that was not the full plan of God for me. There is more. And I want to say to you, I was very, very comfortable in that word. Happy. I learned what it was like to be a son. I learned what it was like to, 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 to place dependence upon somebody else, to submit to somebody else. I learned what it was like to find joy in laying my needs and desires down to meet and the needs of another. But there came a time in my life where I needed a new word. God had used that season to build all kinds of things into me. And I'm so grateful for that season. And I don't cease to be a son to my father and my mother. I will forever be their Elisha. But the way I'm doing that needs to progress and I need to grow up and I need to become the man that God has called me to be and walk out that journey. And I want to say to you, your life and your journey that has brought you to this point, there's a new season and it's on the threshold. There's a new flow of the Holy Spirit, which means there's a new word that you and I each need to tap into for our future. Amen? God's perspective concerning your life is the most important thing. Your family is important. Your job is important. All of these things carry great value in our lives, but the most important thing is the perspective of God concerning your life. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, where there is no revelation, another translation says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Prophetic vision determines the disciplines that you put in place in your life. Let me give you an example. If my prophetic vision was to get fit and to lose weight, that would determine what I put into, into my mouth and it would be determining what I do with my body. Right? If I don't have a vision to get fit and to lose weight, I cast off all restraint. I don't restrain myself from eating. Amen? I don't restrain myself from the couch <laughs> and eating <laughs> on the couch. But if I have a vision, that vision is going to galvanize me to say no to a lot of things so that I can say yes to this one thing for which I am called, for which I am graced, and for which God has prepared for me. Folks, once we begin hearing the Word of God, there is going to be a season or time where we're going to have to lay aside things. Not because they are bad. Not because they are evil. 
but because in order to say yes to where God wants me to go, I have got to say no to many other things. The Message Bible puts this verse beautifully. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. I love this line, when they attend to what He reveals. And this is the very purpose of prophetic revelation. It gives focus and direction to our lives so that we can attend to what God is saying. And the point that I want to make this morning, the point that needs to settle down deep in our hearts, is that this doesn't happen automatically, folks. We love God. We are the children and the sons and the daughters of God. But we also have freedom of choice. God's will does not automatically happen in our lives just because we once said a prayer. There's a continual choice that you and I get to make to walk in it. And based on our choice, we get to do something about it. You see, also, this is a mistake we often make as believers. It's very easy to sit in an environment like this and to make certain heart decisions and heart choices on a Sunday morning that have zero impact on how we live our lives come Monday morning. And so we go from week to week thinking that there are things changing in our lives because our thinking may have changed or we've made certain decisions on the altar, but yet the outworking of those decisions needs to find expression. And this is where I want to speak to you about today. This is where it begins. What is it that God told Ezekiel to do over what seemed to be a hopeless situation? Who can tell me? What is it that God told Ezekiel to do? To speak. To prophesy. To prophesy simply means to say what God is saying. Prophecy is not about telling the truth, although it might include... Uh, not about telling the future. It is about telling the truth. This is what happens when my brain and my mouth... My, my mouth speaks before my brain can catch up. Prophecy is not just about telling the truth. Many people think that that's what it's all about. Oh, we're going to tell you things to come. Yes, God may tell you things to come. But prophecy is simply telling you what is on God's heart and mind. It's to give you God's perspective. The place where you and I begin to come into an experiential engagement with the plans and the vision that God has for our lives is in the place of speaking. That's where it begins. Now listen, I understand that as believers, we are, the Bible calls us a peculiar people. There are some strange things that we do as believers. It seems very strange and awkward and uncomfortable. It's or like last week when we broke up into little groups and we decided to speak into one another. Who does that? Have you ever been to a party at someone's house or a business function and they said, right, we're just going to have a little workshop moment and we're going to break into small groups and we get to encourage one another and speak good things into each other? It just doesn't happen, folks. It's a peculiar thing. But yet there's tremendous power in it, as you can all testify. There's tremendous power in it. Tremendous power in it. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you will reap 
the fruit of whatever you speak. Not just whatever you do. You're not going to reap the fruit of whatever you think. Good intentions mean nothing. That's a really harsh reality, but it's the truth. And the reason that's such an awkward truth is because you and I tend to judge other people by what they say and do, but yet we tend to judge ourselves according to our intentions. I didn't mean to. And we try and sweep it under the rug by saying things like, but God knows my heart. Folks, God has set you and I into a situation, into a natural realm that works and operates by certain laws. One of those laws is the power of the spoken word. You can literally change the trajectory of your life by changing your words. Do you want to know what's even more incredible? You can literally change the trajectory of somebody else's life through your words. Words are incredibly powerful. They can bring death, and they can bring life. Listen to what James says, chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. This is, again, the message version. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. Folks, a horse is a powerful animal. Um, any of you been horse riding before? I've been a few times. I'm afraid of horses. They are incredibly powerful. But I've ridden a horse, and I've learned how I can just pull on the reins one way and the horse... The entire trajectory of this mighty creature, which could throw me off at any minute, is changed simply by me turning the head, using a bit. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Folks, let me ask you, how did God create the world in which we live? One of my favorite scientific facts right now is they are trying to get down to the base of creation. What makes up all of creation? And they keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller particles, and they've got right down to the nucleus, and they've got right down to atoms. And so, how many of you have heard of something called the, hyd the hydrogen collider? It's this huge, I think it's a three, three kilometer in diameter, or, yeah, I think it's the diameter of this, this massive, in which they are sending atoms around and around in a circle, accelerating them, getting them faster and faster and faster and faster, so that they can eventually make them crash into one another and, and see what they get, because if they can break the atom open, maybe they, can define, maybe they can find something else. And they have, they've found something called a quark, a quark. <laughs> That's really interesting. You know what a quark is? In its very essence? Sound. It's a wave. You see, the colors that you and I see are waves. And we can perceive different colors through different waves coming into our eyes. The sounds that you hear are just waves. And you can perceive many different things through the waves and how they hit your ears. You see, God spoke, let there be, and a whole bunch of quarks went, Nyee. 
very creation operates on this principle from its very inception. Scientists say it started with a big bang. You know what? It probably was a pretty big bang. Who knows? Who knows? But the point that I'm wanting to make through this, in, through this illustration is that in the very fiber of your being is the echo of God's voice. And that voice is still speaking over your life today. The words that he spoke originally continue to travel off into eternity. That's why the further we look, the more stars we find, the more galaxies we find. We can't seem to know where the end of this universe is because his voice is still traveling. Wow. That's amazing. The power of words. You see, this is a spiritual principle that I'm sharing with you today. It is a law that is built into the very fiber of creation and the foundation of how faith works. Romans 10, verse 8 to 10 says this. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your? It's in your? Your mouth and in your heart. Oh, but we've got to get the word of God inside of us, Right? Where does this word put this? Where is the word of God? It's in your? It's not a trick question. You had it right the first time. Say mouth. Say mouth and heart. Folks, it's not enough to have the word of God in your heart. Very weird things you're saying this morning, Michael. Yes, I'm empowering you to begin changing the reality of what you're seeing in your life. It is not enough for the Word of God to exist alone in your heart. What does it say? The Word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Why? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When what you believe in your heart and what you speak with your mouth are in alignment with what God is, who God is and with what He is saying, you have the power to speak life into the plans and purposes of God for your situation. You see, very often we speak words that we undermine with our heart. And very often we believe things that we undermine with our confession. But when your confession and your heart truly line up, the power of faith goes to work and it speaks into the natural realm that you are in, bringing about change in just the same way that God spoke into a natural realm and created the world in which you and I live. The words you speak over yourself are a reflection of what your heart truly believes. And the good news is that God gives us the ability to both change our perspective and our reality through what we believe and the words that we speak. Perhaps you don't realize this, but that scripture that I just read, Paul is actually bringing into remembrance a pivotal moment in the life of the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 14, Moses says to the people, the word of the Lord is near you in your mouth and in your heart. So this is not just a New Testament thing. This is a spiritual principle from the very beginning. But in what context is this? 
It's in a very important context where God is meeting with His people. Let me read to you a little bit more. No, the message is very close at hand. This is Deuteronomy 30, 14. It is on your lips, it is in your heart, so that you can obey it. Now listen. Today, say today. I am giving you a choice. Say, I have a choice. You have a choice. Dear brother and sister, concerning your situation, you are not a helpless victim. You are empowered by God to choose. And based on your choice, to speak. And based on your words, to change your reality. I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep His commandments, decrees, and regulations by walking in His ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your hearts turn away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods... Here we have serve and worship, the heart and the mouth. Then I warn you that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long. That You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Folks, I want you to understand the principle here that God is trying to convey. God is not saying that if you don't do what I say, I'm going to obliterate you. That is not what God is saying here. God is saying, in me and in my plans, there is life. There is a sphere that I've created for you to live in where there is blessing and there is grace. If you choose it, that is what you will experience. But if you choose another path, there is no blessing and there is no grace and there is no life there. Your experience will be death. Not because I'm going to punish you, but because you have rejected life. You have rejected blessing. You have chosen your own outcome. Folks, God gives you the freedom of choice. He gives you and me freedom to choose or reject Him. What He does not give us is to choose the consequences of those decisions. Verse 19. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And I call all heaven and earth witness to witness the choice that you make. Did you hear that? All heaven and earth will respond to the choice that you make. Wow! Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your descendants may live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. This is the key to walking in the plans and purposes of God for you that are good to give you a hope and a future. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land of the, that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Beloved, our experience of the life of God and the realization of His wonderful promises hinge on the simple decision. What I want you to see today is the power that you release when you articulate your decisions. What do you choose? Do you choose to believe what God says over you? Yes, of course you do. 
That's why you're here this morning. You wouldn't be here otherwise. I want a challenge to you. Son of man, prophesy. Prophesy. Begin to speak over your life and your situation, the outcome that you desire to see based upon the promises that God gives you. Not upon your dreams and upon your desires, upon the promises that God determines to give you. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself blessed or destitute? Do you see yourself prosperous or poor? Do you see yourself as strong in the Lord or weak, unable to do? Do you see yourself as an overcomer or are you waiting for the next defeat? Do you see yourself as whole and healed? Or do you see yourself as lacking and needing? Do you see yourself as prosperous and provided for by a loving father? Or do you see yourself begging of a God who just seems to be miserly? No. I want to encourage you today. I do not want to stand this morning and put words into your mouth. Because I've had a week where I've been doing a lot of speaking over my life and over my family. I've been singing that song this morning as well. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my wife, all over my wife. (laughs) She married me after all. I don't want to put words into your mouth. I don't know if right now you are needing provision. Oh, just have a laugh. It's okay. It's okay. I don't, maybe you're needing provision right now. Maybe you're needing protection. Maybe the word you need to be confessing. Oh, can I, let, me, let me rather, instead of putting words in your mouth, let me give you some examples of some of the things I'm confessing over my life right now. Every night, when I put my pillow down on my head, I don't pray that God will protect me. I say, thank you, Father, that you have given your angels charge over me and my family. Thank you that your spirit is with me. I trust you to protect myself, my family, and my belongings. And I want to tell you, I've gotten to the point where I do that when I'm half asleep. Sometimes I don't even make it through at all. I declare that God is able to make all grace abound towards me that I always have all sufficiency in all things, and even an abundance that I may give. I declare and I believe that. I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe that God will put a word in season in my mouth. Because I need it. I'm a preacher. It's what I've got to do. I'm not going to go through everything that I'm confessing over my life right now. I believe, I'll give you one more. And this one you can speak over yourself too because this is the word over my life in this time and season and this is the word therefore also over the spiritual family in this time and season. Do you want to hear what it is? Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60. It says this, arise, shine. Look at somebody next to you, shine. 
Why? For the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Father, thank you that the glory of the Lord has risen upon me. I thank you that although dark, darkness covers the earth and the world around me and deep darkness the people, the Lord, you are arising over me. You are arising over us and our spiritual family and that your glory will be seen upon us and that Gentiles will come to our light and kings to the brightness of our rising as you glorify your name in and through us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? These are the things you have the power to speak over your life. I am blessed. I am empowered by God. I am filled with the Spirit of God. Father, I thank you that I have wonderful gifts. I thank you that you are making me a gift. What happens to your countenance when you begin speaking like that over your life? You are encouraged, you are strengthened. But not only that, you are telling the universe what is to come. And that is the first step. Before you see it, you're going to need to speak it. And that's going to require some boldness from you because you're going to call, need to call those things which be not as though they were. Yeah. Amen? Tell you a funny, do you want to hear a funny story about that? Okay, I won't tell you one then. Would you stand with me? That was a first. Father, we want to thank you this morning that as we stand in your presence this morning, we know that you have wonderful plans and purposes for our lives as individuals and for our lives as a spiritual family. As we sung in our songs this morning, Father God, so often we've been caught up with what is happening around us and we have lost sight of the greatness of who you are. That the trials and the challenges we face are simple matters to you. Father, I want to thank you this morning that you stand before us and you cause us and you call us to choose life or death, the blessing and the curse, or the curse. And as we stand in your presence this morning, Father, we want to make our choice. Make your choice. Tell, tell the Lord what you choose. He can't hear you. He's far away. He's right here. I'm just kidding. I choose life, Lord. Say, say this prayer with me. Father God, in your presence today, I choose life. I choose to speak life, the life of God, into my heart, over my life, over my family, over my work. I declare, according to your word, that everything I set my hand to shall prosper. I declare that I am blessed in the city. I will be blessed in the field. I declare that I am above only and not beneath. I am the head. I am not the tail. I declare that your grace is at work within me. I thank you that you will never let me be tempted, but you will always provide for me a way of escape. Thank you, God, that you are my way of escape. 
I choose you. I choose obedience. I thank you, God, that you are my provider. I thank you that your grace and your provision abound towards me, that I always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance. Thank you, God, that abundance lives in me. Thank you that you are making me a blessing. I declare in the fear of God right now that I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That a thousand may fall to my right, but it will not come near me for I stand under the protection of God. I thank you, Father, that you give your angels charge over me to protect myself and my family. Thank you for your spirit dwelling within me. And because of your spirit, I have the wisdom of God. Thank you that I have eyes that see I have ears that hear the word of the Lord. I thank you that as I go into this week, you go before me. You prepare a way for me. You prepare a table for me, even in the presence of my enemies. And I declare that you will show me the way, that I will see it, that I will perceive it, that by your grace, I will speak it and walk in it, because today I choose you. Father, fill my mouth with your words, and I make this commitment that I will speak them, that your kingdom may come and your will may be done, here, in my life, for my family, at this time, as your will is always done in heaven. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.